Hi everybody and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host Phil Walsh and you're listening to episode number 70 of this ongoing podcast series that is for the love of movies. And what makes a great movie, you might ask? Certainly plot, actors, situation, all of that comes into play. But in many cases, it stems from the heroes and the villains. We love our heroes, and yes, we love our villains. The classic conflict of good and evil has been waging on the silver screen since the inception, and through the years, many a villain and heroes have both scared and thrilled us and rallied us together for the love of movies. Now today, I want to take you through my ranking of the top five heroes and villains of the silver screen. Now this is not meant to be an exhaustive list. It's not meant to be a comprehensive list. This is my list. This is entirely subjective. And I'm curious to know your thoughts as well. This is a great opportunity for a little interaction. So after the episode or before uh, you listen, feel free to drop your list, your top five villains and heroes of the silver screen. Uh, We'll see if we have any overlap or if you've got something else entirely. Uh, All the social media handles can be found uh, in the show notes. I'm on Twitter or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. Uh, Instagram, threads, you can also email as well. Again, all that will be in the show notes. And I'll just take this time at the start of the show before I get into the ranking and just say thank you to you, the listeners, to you, the friends, for tuning in each week and being a part of this cinematic journey with me. Your support, your encouragement, your embrace, and as always, your friendship means the world to me and makes it all that more worthwhile and enjoyable doing this show. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, and thank you. So there we go, a little, uh, little sound effect to get the show started. I think what I will do is I'll alternate uh, between hero and villain, and then once I get to the, the final two, I will give you some honorable mentions, because there are honorable mentions to, uh, to note in this list. Now, as I said, this was, uh, it's not meant to be uh, comprehensive, it's not meant to be exhaust, uh, exhaustive, but I have to say, it, it, it took me some time to, to really think about this, because Certainly, if, you, if you've listened to the show for a while, you may notice uh, some s- familiar names uh, for, from films that I have uh, raved about in the past. Some uh, maybe uh, maybe quite uh, you know out of the ordinary or unexpected. Uh, again, really try to to look at this uh, with a, a critical lens and and, and sort of view in a, a wide encompassment of the of the uh, of the movie villains and, and heroes. Over over the years, so uh, hopefully uh, I've done my job. But uh, again, we'll uh, we'll leave that uh, we'll leave that for you to decide. Uh, see if you agree or disagree with my rankings. But uh, let's get it started right here. So coming in at number five, I'll start with a villain first. Number five. Now this one may uh, may come as no surprise to people, but here we go. Number five for a movie villain is Michael Myers. 
And anyone who, knew, who has listened to the show knows I am a fan, a diehard fan, if you will, of the Halloween series. Uh, I think they're they're fun, they're scary, they're 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 enjoyable films. I love them for all of their achievements, for all of their their flaws, for all their blemishes. It's just an enjoyable horror slasher franchise. Uh, but Michael Myers uh, kind of push aside all of the uh, all of the, of the theatrics, all of the subsequent films. And the uh, the icon status that is largely associated with the character, the, Michael is without question the scariest uh, movie slasher there is. And there's something intimidating about just a, a random guy in a mask who doesn't speak and is an unstoppable force of nature, almost and a, a relentless uh, killing machine. That that's that's frightening because that's something you can't explain. There's no motivation. There's no rationalization he just he's, he exists he's a shape as he's referred to in the script but when you think of all of the of the movie monsters that that came after and certainly if you look at even before michael i mean you would put characters like the wolfman or even frankenstein as his sort of a iconic uh, status uh, michael is is in a class all by himself and really Again, you don't get Freddy, you don't get Jason, you don't get the the cascade of mass killers without Michael Myers in Halloween 1978. Again, people may say, oh, Freddy Krueger has more personality and, and Jason is more brutal, but Michael, Michael has stood the test of time, and, and there's a reason why his movies have have endured again there's the holiday staple but there's also something terrifying about michael because it's not a a guy in your dreams it's not a guy uh, with the mommy issues and and a half zombie running around a lakeside this is just a man i mean again putting aside some of the supernatural elements that may or may not come into play in, in later films but there is something unsettling about a guy in a mask who simply Snaps, and, and that that is frightening. That to me is the worst kind of evil, and that that makes a memorable villain. And, and certainly, when you're looking at not only a, a sort of a stature in terms of, of of movie history, but just in terms of iconography. I mean, Michael's look is iconic: the boiler suit, the the knife, and of course the uh, the William Shatner inspired mask that was uh, uh, contorted and, and teased out to become what is now the the infamous mask that he wears in every Halloween film. So, again, perfect look, a, a lack of a motivation, lack of a of a real backstory. Again, the fact that Michael was just a kid and then he just snapped one Halloween night, that's that's unsettling, that's frightening, and that kind of gets into the subconscious of, of your audience. And, again, when, when you have a villain that, that is human in a way, it makes it all that more threatening and, and realistic and, and stays with an audience. And so uh, I, I would I would argue anyone that says Michael doesn't deserve a, a place in, in, in movie villain history. I think, again, given what Halloween and, and his presence gave birth to in terms of the horror genre, the slasher genre, everything goes back to Michael. You, you know, again, you don't get Freddy, you don't get Jason, you don't get Ghostface without Michael Myers. And and as far as a movie villain goes, he can't be stopped and he keeps coming back. And, uh, you know, for us, uh, for us movie fans, uh, that's a good thing. So we're starting out the top five for movie villains is, of course, Michael Myers. Now, that brings me to uh, the the counterpart, if you will, the, uh, the, the yin to the yang. And again, this was a 
a back and forth, uh, you know, uh, with with uh, this uh, person. But uh, you know, again, if you, if you know me, if you know my love for the Halloween series, my 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 love for the Laurie Strode character is is absolute. And if I'm going to put Michael Myers on the list, I've certainly got to put Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode is the perfect kind of hero. And again, some might say, well, is she really a hero? She's you know, more of a, you know, a final girl or, or, or kind of, you know, a, a, a character in a horror movie. And, and I would say, you know, that's why she's a hero because Laurie Strode is someone who is, is resilient. Laurie Strode is someone who is determined, someone who knows who they are and, and will, will fight back against any kind of adversity. You know, you look at the first Halloween movie, which introduced the character of Laurie, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. The character is presented as, as shy, as a little timid, a little withdrawn uh, compared to her, you know, sort of a larger-than-life friends. Uh, you know, she's sort of the quote-unquote good girl in the story. Uh, and yet she's able to use her surroundings, she's able to use her head and, and rely on her wit to overcome the force that is Michael Myers. And, and that continues on through the subsequent films and most notably with the, the recent trilogy of movies, Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. Laurie Strode has gone from being a, a sort of archetypal final girl into a into almost a monster hunter status. And again, Jamie Lee Curtis brings such a, a sense of authenticity, of vulnerability, and, and ultimately determination to the character that you're rooting for her the whole way. I mean, again, Michael is a huge part of the Halloween movies, but Laurie Strode is the heart and soul. And, you know, to see her, to, you know, be the, the the force of good, the, the face of of good against his face of evil. It's a perfect combination. It's a perfect struggle, and it, it's what we want to see. We want to see our heroes fight back against adversity. We want to see our heroes keep going, even when things look bad. And particularly in, in the case of her story, where they've shown in the more recent films a character that has been plagued with trauma and, and survivor's guilt, to then show her no longer being a victim, but being someone who's taking agency and fighting back and, and fighting not only for for survival, but, but for their, their life and, and for their, their, their longevity. That's empowering, and that is a, a worthy hero as far as I'm concerned. And again, it, it, it helps that you have Jamie Lee Curtis giving, in every instance, a, a, a raw and an authentic portrayal of someone who has been to hell and back and yet has never cracked in the face of, of, of danger, has never succumbed to evil, if you will. And that's, that's powerful, again, especially you know, in, in our world today where, where so much can go wrong and people can be defined by, by a tragedy, by a, a difficult situation, to have someone like Laurie Strode as... I'll say it as a role model, as someone who can be a poster poster child for fighting back against adversity, for for believing in yourself and not succumbing to to your pain. That is powerful. That that is that is real agency, and and we need more of that in the world. And kind of to tie it in with with Michael Myers. I mean, Michael gave way to all these slasher villains, and and I will say it, Laurie Strode gave way to to the final girl archetype. I mean, yes, there were. 
And there were instances before Halloween, but Halloween was the one that really put it all together and, and created the perfect heroine in, in the case of Laurie Strode. Again, you, you don't get some of the characters from Friday the 13th. You certainly don't get Nancy from uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and you don't get Sydney from uh, from Scream. Again, all of it goes back to, to Laurie Strode. She was the one that, that broke the mold, if you will, and kind of became this... Uh, this archetype for a final goal for a, a heroine, a hero in a horror movie. And again, to see the most recent film where she, she fights back uh, and, and really puts an end to her boogeyman. She vanquishes her, her terror. There's, there's something to be said about that uh, that we can all relate to about not letting our ghost uh, trap us, not let our, our past define us, but, but finding a way to rise above even our pain and and live to fight and, and have a better day. Uh, powerful, powerful stuff. And why I, I'm 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 happy and frankly proud to put her as as a movie hero and someone worthy of being in the top five. Because this is not just someone who, okay, you know, has a few uh, cliched lines and then uh, kills the kills the mass killer at the end. Uh, this is a a developed and well rounded character that despite the fantastical situations, feels real and, and grounded and someone that we, the audience, can understand, relate to, sympathize with, and cheer on as, as she goes on her, on her journey and, 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 and up to her fight against the force of evil that is Michael Myers. So there we go. Starting out uh, the top five for either category, we have Michael Myers uh, for, for the villain and Laurie Strode for the hero. All right, so now moving on. For the next villain on the list, and this was a this was again another one that uh, kind of is almost a no brainer for me, and that is Hannibal Lecter. You talk about a chilling performance, uh, particularly in the Silence of the Lamb. Anthony Hopkins only has around twelve minutes of, of screen time, maybe twelve minutes and change, and yet his performance is. Legendary. I mean, it may it may even be a little bit longer than twelve minutes. I might I might have that. I might be underselling it, but it, it's less than thirty minutes of screen time, and yet he stays with you. And in, I think in part because the performance is so unnerving. Again, we're not dealing with a guy in a mask. We're not dealing with prosthetics. We're not dealing with a, a fantastical character. We are dealing with a psychopath. We're dealing with a, a chilling and charismatic and and manipulative psychopath. And then that's someone who, who stays with you. I mean, whenever you can, I don't want to say root for the villain, but it, but at least you know, kind of have the, the villain being like, oh, you know, see what I'm doing? Well, yeah, you're going to like that. I mean, that's when you know you've sort of, you, you, you've pulled the audience in and, and, even though Hannibal Lecter is a despicable and, and frightening and unnerving character, because the performance is so good and because the character is so well written and charismatic, you can't help but have the audience brought in to to the story. And for such a limited amount of screen time, it's an amazing performance. And And certainly hats off to Anthony Hopkins. I mean, the man won... An Academy Award for playing Hannibal Lecter, and again, it, it's one of those roles where I, I recently rewatched the film, and you don't see Hopkins; you, you just see Lecter, and and it's it's chilling, it's it's 
oddly funny at, at moments, and it's just it's downright scary. Again, it's not like we're necessarily watching a lot of stalking or we're, we're watching a lot of uh, uh, slashing, so to speak. I mean, there's a few moments of, uh, of cannibalism, but I mean, largely it's a psychological portrayal and just him saying a line or of course you know the famous uh, exchange about you know I ate his liver you know I won't do the impersonation but you know the line if you've seen the movie and again just something like that it's it's both it's funny and you're kind of like okay, why am I laughing at this and at the same time it's like oh my god this this guy is completely unhinged but yet you're captivated by him and that's the the power of of both Hopkins performance and the strength of the character and Again, I always think of a villain, it doesn't have to be this ghoulish uh, creation. Sometimes the best villains are the ones that kind of have that level of psychology that can sort of you know get in the audience head and, and, and even get into the, to the character's head, as is in the case of, of Clary Starling in the movie. But uh, you know, those are the villains you remember because there's that, that foot in humanity, if you will, that... that you know, we can see this is not just some fictional creation. There, there's some element of, of realism and, and depth, and that ultimately makes it that much more, uh, you know, engaging to to watch a, as a character. And again, just from a performance standpoint, I mean, it's it's one of the best there is. And and again, it's it's one of those villains where you don't forget him. Again, it's it's like the Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz. You you don't forget. Uh, Hannibal Lecter. He he is definitely an icon in 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 the world of cinema. So there we go. Number four is uh, is Mr. Lecter. That brings me now to another hero, and this is Chief Martin Brody from Jaws. And this Brody is one of these characters where he's presented in the film of, of Jaws, and, and he's in the book. But I kind of discount the book because. The characters are, are, are not the same as they are on the screen. I mean, again, just to say adaptations uh, can sometimes be better. Uh, Jaws, I would definitely put in that in that category, that it, the film is better than the book. But in the movie, Brody is presented as us. You know, he, he is the audience. He is the everyman. He's, he's the chief of police. He's the guy going about his job. He's got a family. He's got t- two sons. And he's just caught up in the worst possible crisis uh, that could could fall someone in his situation. His town is under attack, so to speak, by a great white shark. And what I love about the way Jaws is constructed, and again, spoilers if you haven't seen the film, uh, in that case, you know, Go, go see it because it is truly a masterpiece in every sense of the word. But what I like about Jaws is we're presented with the characters of Hooper and Quinn, both who are shown as experts. You have a shark expert in, in Hooper, and then you have the expert fisherman in Quint. And as, an, as the audience, we're presented to think, okay, they're the ones who are going to get the shark. Either both of them together or one of them will, will stop the beast. And, and Brody's more or less there for the ride. He, he's us. He's part of this journey. And yet, of course, by the end of the film, both experts have been more or less defeated or, in the case of Quint, eaten by the shark. And that leaves Brody, the everyman, the the person who was just the simple town police chief who was forced to defend himself and to take on the shark. 
with nothing but his wits and, and, and an understanding of his surroundings. I mean, that's something that I love about his character in both Jaws and in Jaws 2. Brody is shown as, as being aware of his surroundings. Uh, you know, in the first film, uh, with the with the air t- scuba tanks uh, and the uh, possibility of them uh, exploding, he uses that to his advantage. Uh, in the case of Jaws 2, uh, he's uh, informed that sharks are attracted to a sensation or a sound. And when he's, uh, you know, confronted with a, a power cable at the climax of Jaws 2, he lures the shark away from from the from the kids and and, and you know defeats it by you know bringing the shark towards him and, and attracting it with a a sound uh, by beating a, a uh, an oar against a, a power cable and again just shows that kind of resilience and, and determination he's not you know the the expert he's not the shark uh, hunter he's not the scientist he's just a, a regular guy and again he has a fantastic character arc in the movie he he starts off by by knowing something is wrong and yet is pressured by the towns uh, the town people the mayor the businesses to keep the business the, the, the beaches open and, and sort of sweep the problem with the shark under the rug and of course when uh, the the problem doesn't go away Brody feels guilty and responsible and he resolves and, and takes charge of the situation and again there's that there's great Depth. He's not just a sort of a, a standard, you know, quote unquote, good guy. He's shown to be flawed. He's shown to be uh, complicated, and he has a fear of water. And, and the fact that he, you know, risks his, you know, his 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 life. He goes out on a boat despite his phobia to to try and stop this monster and ultimately succeed. Uh, just gives him a perfect character arc. He overcomes both his fear of, of the water and is able to put to rest this problem that has been plaguing the ta- the island of Amity. Uh, a fascinating character. Again, certainly someone that, that the audience can, can relate to and, and, and be on the side of because we're him. We're going on this journey. And yet when, when, when push comes to shove, it sort of illustrates the resilience of, of, of anybody where if you just have enough belief and, and sort of, Know how in your in your situation you can overcome any problem, and and Brody certainly does that in both cases. Uh, but in the particularly in the case of Jaws, I mean, this is someone who didn't ask to be put in the situation, but yet goes into it and then ultimately comes out uh, victorious just by relying on uh, wits and and determination. Uh, that's a great character. That's a great hero, and, and certainly Roy Scheider's performance is. Is top notch. It, it's it's captivating because you 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 see just in the little mannerisms that he has in the film, like at the start where uh, there's a shark attack and he rushes down to the to the to the shoreline, but yet pulls himself back because he has a crippling fear of the water. And yet, you know, by the end of the film, he's you know right there up to his knees in water and and fighting against the shark and 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 going almost toe to toe with it. I mean, that shows the the range and 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 arc of the character and the, and the uh, transition, if you will. And those, to me, are the best kind of heroes. Someone who starts out at one position and and then through events, through circumstances ends up at an entirely different place and and you can't help but but root for Brody by the end of the film particularly when he finally uh, delivers that iconic line and and blows up the shark uh, it's it, it's the stuff of uh, of movie legends and it's a it's a perfect end for in many ways a perfect hero that again 
isn't a isn't a flashy uh, individual. He's just a regular guy trying to get through the day, and, and ultimately he does. And, and certainly, if you look at when this film was released in 1975, uh, Brody kind of fit the the uh, you know kind of sort of mentality of of the American spirit at that point, which was just to get through the day, get through uh, the moment, and, and ultimately, you know, keep your head above water, so to speak, and, and Brody does that, and so it kind of, you know, works in tangent with being not only a great story, but but re- reminding anyone of, of their own, uh, you, know, uh, you know, sort of determination and, and, and willingness uh, to, to make it through any any given situation, no matter how hard or difficult it may be. So there we go. We've got uh, for number four, Hannibal Lecter on the villain side and Chief Brody on the hero side. All right, this now brings us to top three. So doing it uh, here on the villain side is uh, another one that may uh, may be familiar uh, if you've listened to the show in the past. But uh, if not, uh, you'll be uh, hopefully entertained. And that is Emperor Palpatine. This is again from the Star Wars saga. And... It makes sense for one of the great villains in in movie history to be not some monster or or some force from another dimension, but a politician. And yes, there is a fantastical element to uh, to Palpatine. He is the the, the ruler, if you will, the uh, the most powerful uh, dark side uh, user uh, in the Star Wars galaxy. But putting all that aside. Palpatine is a politician, and he amasses power in the context of the story not through kind of you know uh, force, if you will, but by through using the democratic system and ultimately contorting it to to his will and, and using the the levers of government to not only strip away people's freedoms and liberties, but then maintaining his own power and authority and and using a crisis and, and uh, distrust in institutions to make himself emperor. That is a, that is a frightening villain, and that is someone uh, that, you know, that kind of has real-world implications because we've seen that throughout human history time and time again, these individuals who come into power promising X, Y, and Z, uh, strong men, if you will, and then ultimately uh, turn the tables and, and become dictators for life. Uh, th- there's a line in the uh, third uh, film in the prequel trilogy, uh, Revenge of the Sith, where once the uh, you know, kind of the mask is off and Palpatine declares himself Emperor of the Galaxy, everyone goes along with it. And there's a line from uh, Natalie Portman's character, Padme, where she says, this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause. And again, it sort of illustrates how democracies crumble, how republics how republics die when you, you know people willingly give up power and, and give it up in you know the quote unquote name of security and stability, and and that's frightening. And, and Palpatine does that over the course of the Star Wars saga. To say nothing of his machinations, where he's essentially the devil and and lures Anakin Skywalker later uh, to become Darth Vader over to the dark side with false promises of power and 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 unlimited authority that are nothing but lies but but stuff that these manipulators will say and use to their advantage in order to get what they want and 
again, that, that's a that's a frightening villain in of itself, just on on multiple levels. And what I what I find fascinating about Palpatine's character, and again, putting aside the phenomenal performance by Ian McDermott over the countless films he appeared in, me just a transformational evil maniac. But uh, what what I find most uh, captivating and and compelling about about his character is that this is someone who is is there for power's sake they only care about themselves they don't care about anybody else there's no redeeming qualities with this with this person this is an evil being this is an evil man he's out for power's sake and only uh, himself and that's a great villain and, and certainly he has some phenomenal lines in the film uh, just you know, he's, he's he's hammy when he needs to be but it's always in service of 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 the story but again it's fitting that a, that a politician is is one of the great villains of uh, of the movies and and certainly uh you know you know there were comparison to real world uh, uh you know dictators and, and politicians in, in palpatine's performance and again you can just look through your history book and and you can see uh, the similarities it's it's eerily frightening and and certainly serves a, as a warning that we can even uh, acknowledge and 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 remember today because uh, if anything, those films uh, can kind of serve as a lesson that yes, anything can happen. Anything uh, is possible. Don't think it can happen here. Uh, I won't get off on a, on a political rant, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, it, with the, with the world we live in, uh, it's it's frightening to sometimes watch uh, the Star Wars movies and and kind of see real world implications and kind of. Uh, uh, Repetition of historical patterns that are portrayed in a fictional setting taking place in in real life. Uh, again, we can we can learn something from these movies and kind of what not to do. But uh, again, not to get off on a, on too much of a tangent. But this uh, th- this performance uh, is is one for the books and and certainly certainly memorable just from from the dialogue, from the voice, from the look of just this creepy old man in in a, in a cloak with a with a cane i mean the first time he's introduced in return of the jedi that's how we see him not as a as a as a as a an imposing leader but sort of a frail old man but yet there's a great uh it's a great uh you know twist there if you will where sometimes you know looks are are deceiving and when it comes to palpatine or or darth sidious as he's uh later later called in in the other films uh looks can be deceiving and looks are not as they seem and and palpatine fits that uh description perfectly so there we have number three emperor palpatine from the star wars trilogy and that brings me to number three on the hero side, and that is Atticus Finch. And whether you read the book, whether you've seen the movie, uh, and certainly in this case going to be referring to the movie and, and Gregory Peck's just impeccable and, and earnest performance uh, of the character, Finch is just the classic good guy. And there's nothing flashy this is not someone rushing in to to uh, you know, save people from a burning building. This is someone who is doing the right thing because, and, and again, just the context of when the film was made, the story that is being told, it is a riveting 
performance. And again, it's it's not flashy. It's not over the top. It is it is sort of baked in in human goodness and 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 trust. And and on top of that, Finch is 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 a good father. He's a good person. And and that's something that we the audience can 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 relate to. And that's something we can uh, uh, enjoy. I mean, again. I, I don't know if any other actor could have played Atticus like like Gregory Peck. He, he's just he's so forthright and and kind in his performance. Just even his talks when he's sitting with with Scout on on the porch and and the sort of you know talking about these you know larger and, and very complicated themes you know in many cases to to a child, but yet he speaks never never down to his kids. He's speaking to them as if they're Adults, as if they're, as if they're equals, and and it just the the character is 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 so memorable because he's such a good person, and because even in the face of of sort of persecution in in, in town and sort of against uh, maybe the you know advice of others in his community, he does the right thing because it's the right thing and not for uh, not for glory, not for any kind of grandstanding purpose, but because it is the right thing. And, you know, in, in a world of, of cynicism, in a world of, of, of broken promises, we need more Atticus Finches, uh, to say the very least. In this world, we need more Atticus Finches than, uh, you know, than Bobby Wells, so to speak. And the character has gone beyond even just the film. I mean, Atticus Finch is quoted in the halls of American democracy. I mean, this is someone that is larger than just the movie. I mean, just to give a to give a, a reference in in President Obama's farewell address in 2017, he cited Atticus Finch. He, he called him one of the great characters in American. Fiction and and he used one of the lines from the character by saying, "You never really understand a person until you've considered things from his point of view, until you've climbed into his skin and walked around in it." That is a powerful lesson, and not only is it a great line, but it is something worthy of, of remembrance. In our present day, uh, as I said, we need more Atticus Finches uh, in this world. People who will stand up for what is right and, and fight for justice, fight for equality, and, and are willing to consider other points of view, kind of regardless of, of, of circumstance. But but we have that willingness to to learn, to to listen, and ultimately work towards a common solution that is the better for everybody. Uh, I, I love this character, and I, I couldn't have a, a list of movie heroes without listing the great Atticus Finch. So now that brings me to just two more. <laughs> two more characters on this uh, respective ranking. And number coming in at number two for the, uh, the movie villain is none other than Darth Vader. If you were to pick a, a character that is the embodiment of, of evil, kind of in, in, in the modern day, kind of a representation, Darth Vader is a pretty good uh, a pretty good candidate. From looks alone, the character 
is frightening and, and is a representation uh, of evil incarnate. Uh, but but beyond the the scary voice, beyond the imposing looks and the thematic music, Vader is is much more complicated than just a, a one-note villain. And that's, again, the beauty of, of the Star Wars movies. There's layers. Uh, in the first film, he is presented just as that, as a archetypal bad guy. But fortunately, there was more to that story. And, and what I find equally fascinating outside of the, outside of the, the evil uh, tendencies of the character, but really an understatement or an underscoring that this is a a a villain with a tragic background a, a tragic villain uh very much in a shakespearean context this was someone who was lured to the forces of evil with promises of power and and uh unlimited authority and yet had all of those uh, promises taken away and and became nothing but a but a slave to uh, an even worse uh, form of evil in in the galaxy and again i think why vader is so compelling is he is frightening he is tormenting and and certainly you wouldn't want to uh, uh, come up against him in a in a dark alley somewhere uh you know, whether here or in a galaxy far far away uh but Outside of the just the memorable looks, and of course I said the great John Williams theme and, and music, the character is is rooted with so much pathos and, and humanity that it, it makes for a, a fascinating character. And I, I I tend to like villains that have that complexity. They're not just a one note character, not just evil for evil's sake, even though that course can be fascinating in the in the case of say Hannibal Lecter or the Emperor um, but Darth Vader is different Darth Vader is both the personification of evil but he also is that representation of uh, of tragedy again kind of tying it back to a Shakespearean character of someone who fell from grace and, and ultimately went to uh, the dark side and yet still is on a on a, a quest for for his own humanity and I think what makes Vader's story even more uh, compelling is that even though he is this evil person, this most despicable uh, figure in the galaxy, he is redeemed through the love of his son. And his son, despite knowing his father's flaws, knowing how, how, how wrong he went and all of his bad deeds, he still believes that there is good in him. And, and again, I think Vader represents the kind of character where Nobody is ever is ever really gone. There is there is hope that maybe even the worst soul, uh, maybe maybe could uh, come back and, and and join the light. And uh, that's that's a fascinating story. It doesn't always work out in real life, but but in the context of the story, it's it's absolutely fascinating. And again, Darth Vader just from the looks of the iconic mask and just a silhouetted image of of him uh, is is instantly iconic but I, I think what really uh, really uh, you know compels me and, and, and intrigues me with his character is that he is m- more complex than just say a, a, a rote villain he's not just evil and that's the end of it there, there's a backstory there's a depth there, there are layers to him and that makes for uh, an equally fascinating character and one that we the audience can can in some cases understand particularly once you know the backstory you can see how a good person goes bad and yet ultimately 
finds their way back to the light. That that's a compelling villain, and certainly one that uh, one that is worthy of being in the uh, in the pantheon of great movie villains. Uh, and of course, and on that note, you kind of go yin to yang. And the next one for me in my top two is Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is, in many ways, the quintessential good guy. He is the the protagonist of the original Star Wars trilogy, played brilliantly by Mark Hamill, who shows both an earnestness in the original film and then a, a sort of a, a rebel uh, nature in the second film and then ultimately a maturity with the third film. It's a wonderful character arc. It's a hero's journey uh, in every sense of the word. You're watching him. Be go, go from sort of the the beginner into a into a a, a student and ultimately a master, if you will. Uh, and along the way, you have a character that is always looking to do the right thing, never doing it for glory, never doing it for any kind of promotion, but doing it for what is right. In the original film, he's the one that leads the charge to, to go and find Princess Leia. He willingly goes on the mission to destroy the Death Star. He rushes back to save his friends in The Empire Strikes Back, even though it nearly cost him his life. And, of course, by the final film, he is willing to sacrifice himself rather than fall to the dark side uh, and, and believe so strongly in his father that he would you know, willingly die than, than become a puppet of, of the evil emperor. And, again, that's a, that's a fascinating character and that's a character who who doesn't give up that's a character who is resilient and and even in the face of adversity still looks to find the good in people i mean you compare him uh you know with with the situation with his father uh, not many people could see the light in darth vader everyone else had written him off and yet he was willing to do what had to be done in order to uh save both his father's soul and, in that case, the larger stake of the galaxy. When I was a a kid, I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. There was just something exciting about the the, the kid on the farm who goes off to have uh, adventures. I mean, that's really captivating and appealing to a young imagination and and just an all-around good guy and, and... you know, there's nothing wrong with an earnest character. There's nothing wrong with the quintessential quote-unquote good guy. I think we need more of those figures and, and, and heroes in our, in, our, in our movies because there's something, there's something really fun about that and, and, and ultimately refreshing because you don't always see it. Uh, again, it's important to, I think, have characters with, with depth and, and, and certainly with complexities, but there's also something really powerful and, and it says something about someone who will just do the right thing because it is the right thing and, and Luke Skywalker fits that fits that case in, in in my book and so I will I will always be a defender of of Luke Skywalker and uh, he is a worthy a worthy addition to the uh, to the number two spot on this list all right so now before I give you the uh, the top top choices uh, for for villain and heroes i'm just going to give a few honorable mentions uh, and i won't go uh, into into much uh, detail other than just sort of the uh, the surface level information so a few honorable mentions on the villain side uh, hans gruber from die hard uh, another flawless villain uh, played impeccably by the late great alan rickman 
another one would be The Wicked Witch of the West, played by Margaret Hamilton in The Wizard of Oz. Again, another embodiment of evil. And for a character that's only in about 12 minutes of, of the film and had scenes actually cut because they were too intimidating, uh, that's, a, that's a powerful villain right there. And uh, lastly would be Annie Wilkes from Misery, the, uh, the Stephen King book and later uh, Rob Reiner film, played by Kathy Bates. It is a, a psychologically unnerving and complex portrayal of an author's worst nightmare, a, a number one fan who's a little off her off her kilter, so to speak. Um, and then for honorable mentions on the hero side, uh, we have Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man is, is one of these characters where he, he's he's an everyman. You know, he, he's relatable, even though he has powers and abilities. He's he's a kid. He's a teenager. He's trying to make it in the world and, and trying to find his place. That's a relatable character uh despite even the the fantastical elements uh next would be ellen ripley uh played by sigourney uh, weaver in the alien movies just an all-around badass an absolute badass and and certainly worthy of of being in in conversation of uh, of a movie hero and lastly uh kind of continuing that horror trend would be Dr. Lubis from the Halloween movies played by Donald Pleasance, uh, kind of, you know, the, the Van Helsing type of the Halloween movies, the, uh, the, the, the monster hunter, uh, of Michael Myers, uh, Donald Pleasance added such a credibility to those, to those Halloween movies and his performance, uh, even as, uh, as shaky as some of the films, uh, later on might've been, he never fails to deliver a captivating performance as Michael's determined uh, psychiatrist. So there we go. Uh, those are some honorable mentions. And uh, to, uh, to round out the, uh, the top two uh, for villain and hero, uh, again, this may come as no surprise if you are a long-time listener to this show, but here we go. Number one, it, it, for me, it's the Joker, and, and, and specifically played by Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. There's so much that I have already said about this character. I, I won't uh, I won't repeat myself too much, other than to say that is how you do a movie villain. You don't overexploit him. You you have him in there when he needs to be. He is the driving force to the plot. He's chaos. He's anarchy, and he is there to be the uh, the wrench, if you will, in the hero's plans and 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 plot and. Just from the look to the laugh to the ticks, it is a performance for the ages. That is how you do a villain. That's how you do a comic book villain and, and even beyond the genre. It is a captivating performance with a a foot, if you will, in reality. Because even though you, know, you got a guy in clown makeup and it is a comic book movie after all, the Joker is is baked in our own consciousness of of, of terrorism of of evil, and and Christopher Nolan, the director, said it best. There is something frightening about that unpredictable anarchy that the Joker represents, and a villain with no rules that can't be bought or understood that is just going to, as Alfred says, watch the world burn. Uh, watch the world burn. That is. A frightening villain and one worthy of being in the number one spot. So for me, it's Heath Ledger's The Joker, just a towering performance that will, I believe, stand the test of time. 
So, of course, you know, kind of doing a lot of yin and yang uh, t- with these rankings. And so for number one, for me, it is Batman, and specifically Batman portrayed by Christian Bale. Batman is, without question, my favorite comic book hero, my favorite superhero. But in terms of the Dark Knight trilogy and Christian Bale's performance, what we get for a hero is someone who is broken. This is someone who is trying to make sense of their life after going through an unspeakable tragedy at an early age, losing their parents to a, to a senseless to a senseless murder, and yet is unwilling to be defined by that pain, is unwilling to let that pain destroy and control their life, but to use it in a way that is uh, productive, not only for himself, but ultimately to help the city that he calls home. That's powerful stuff. And what I love about Bale's performance in those movies is that his Batman is there to inspire the people of Gotham. He says it in the very first film, Batman Begins. He wants it to be a symbol, a symbol to show the people of Gotham that they don't have to be afraid, that they can fight back against corruption and take their city back. And that's something that carries on throughout all three films. And Batman represents endurance. Batman represents never giving up. And and certainly in the context of those films, Batman has the book thrown at him, but yet he never backs down. That is a true hero, someone who will, even though the odds are against him and even though there may not be a quote-unquote victory, they're still willing to get up every day and keep fighting for what is right. That is Batman for me. That is the hero. And, you know, I've been... Sort of going back and forth, you know, because Batman is my favorite comic book hero and certainly has been played by many great actors on screen. But after doing a, one of my recent uh, rewatches of The Dark Knight, I, I think I can safely say Christian Bale is my my favorite performance of The Dark Knight and, and I think, frankly, is the best performance of the character. That's That's Batman to me because he represents everything... That the character is about the 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 child arrested in in development at age eight, the character who is fighting back to sort of have a normal life, a character that is willing to sacrifice himself, his his image, his his body, his soul for his cause, which is to protect. Gotham City, a hero that will not be broken despite all of the machinations of, in this case, the Joker. That's a powerful character. That's a resilient character. And yes, that is a hero. That is someone that we should look to as a representation of never giving in, never giving up, that even when there are those dark days, you keep on fighting, you keep on going through the slog. And that is the story of Batman, and I think it is beautifully told and illustrated with the Dark Knight trilogy and Christian Bale's performance. So there we have it. Uh, my uh, my number one Batman as portrayed by Christian Bale in the Dark Knight trilogy. So just do a final rundown, if you, uh, if you will let me. So beginning on the hero side, we have Laurie Strode. Then we have on the villain side, Michael Myers, Chief Brody, on the hero side again, Hannibal Lecter for the villain, Atticus Finch uh, at number three, Emperor Palpatine for number three, Luke Skywalker for number two, Darth Vader for number two on the villain side, Batman for number one on the hero side, and the Joker for number one on the villain side. So there we have it, my top 
five movie villains and heroes. Let me know if, what you think of this list. Do you agree, disagree? And what are your favorite movie villains and heroes of the silver screen? I know there are more out there, but I tried to do the best I could with distilling down uh, the five that, that, that really work for me and I think are the best uh, of what movie villains and heroes uh, can be, and particularly in the cases of heroes. I mean, all these, uh, all of these individuals are, are people who may be complicated and, and have some complexities, but yet will always look to do the right thing, always will fight back against adversity. And to me, that is the best kind of a hero, and we need that more and more in today's world. So, my friends, that is all that I have for you today. As always, thank you for taking the time and listening to what I have to say on cinema. I'll be back next week, and we'll do this all over again for the love of movies.